It says this. It says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. And my great army, which I sent among you, shall eat in the plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God. So let's pray. Father, I just come before you this morning, Father, and I would just ask that you would touch this church you would touch this word, Father, that it would go forth and it would touch the lives of each and every one, Father, Lord, that's here, Father. I come against every binding spirit, Lord, that would try to bind this word because, Father, you are a God of restoration, Father. You can come in, Father, you can take those things that's been beat up, Father, that's been broken down, Father, and you can do a restoration, Father, in the life, Father, and make them better than new, Father. And I just ask today, Father, you would speak to your church, Father, through the power of your spirit, and I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. So my thought this morning, guys, is restoration. Restoration. And see, according to the, uh, to the world, restoration means bringing something back that's been beat up, that's been tore up, that's been out in the weather, dilapidated, bringing it back to its former state, praise the Lord. And so there's a, uh, there's a couple of TV shows that I like to watch. One's called Counting Cars. And they, uh, there's a group of guys, they'll go out in the neighborhoods there in Vegas, and they'll, they'll look in the backyards of people, they'll go to the old uh, junkyards, to the uh, front yards, and they'll look underneath these old covers, and, and they'll find these beat-up cars that's, that's needing, uh, it's got rust spots in there, it's got holes, it's missing parts, it's all tore up, and they'll, they'll go and buy them, and then they'll take them back to their shop, and then they'll get in this uh, restoration process. Well, they'll get out there, and they'll sandblast, they'll uh, plug the holes, you know, they'll buy new parts, and they'll put new paint on them, they'll prime them. And they'll get them all where they look like they're brand new again. And there's another guy I follow. His name's Rick, I believe. And he's got this big yard. And he does all these uh, restorations of signs from, like, the Vegas Strip of uh, uh, the casinos. And then people bring, like, um, jute boxes to him. And they'll bring, uh, like, the old gas pumps. And he'll get out there and he'll sandblast all the rough spots on them and, and fix them up and make them new again. They look like they're brand new. Praise the Lord. He'll do a complete restoration from the floor to the top. Make them look super new. And so there's some things I want to talk to you about today, guys, that, that are in need of restoration. And so number one, guys, is our personal relationship with Christ. See, there needs to be a restoration, guys, in our life. And see, according to God's word, it's, the God's word's different, uh, the term of restoration in God, according to the term that we use. See, the world says restoration is bringing something back to, to its original state, but a biblical definition is bringing it back not only to its original state, but making it even better than it was in the beginning. See, Job here in, in 42, uh, in tw- uh, 42 and 12 says this. It says, now the Lord said, or the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. See, Job was blameless and he was upright and he feared the Lord. And the enemy's all like, well, if you take a hedge away from him, I'll, I'll make him cuss you. And God's all, all right, go ahead, take it away. You can take it away, you can have everything but his life. And the enemy comes in, takes his family, his, his livelihood. His wife tells him he might as well go ahead and curse God and die. He gets these boils on him. He sits in this ash heap and he cuts his boils with these um, pieces of clay. But he still doesn't turn away from God. He still stays faithful to God. And in the very end, God restores more to him in the end than he had in the very beginning. He did a complete restoration in his life, guys. And maybe you're here today. And maybe your life, your, your walk with Christ has been out in the uh, cold. You've left it out in the weather. And, you, and you've kind of drifted away from God. And God's saying today, if you'll come back to me, I'll do a complete restoration in your life. I'll take those things that are messed up. I'll take the rusted spots. I'll take it and I'll make you new again. I'll get the Holy Spirit and I'll begin to sandblast those old spots in your life, those old dents, those old wrinkles. And I'll do a complete restoration in your life from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. If you'll be willing to go through the restoration process. Process, praise God. 
God wants to do a restoration in our lives today. My earpiece keeps messing around. I guess I got a big ear or something. It's like, don't want to work. And see, you don't have to stay in that place of being messed up, guys, because God wants to take you to his spiritual body shop and do a restoration. See, there's too many people, though, they want restoration in relationships, their finances, um, their marriages, and the whole time they're needing a, a restoration in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, they need that first. See, everything, every good thing in my life flows out of my relationship with Christ. So if my, if my relationship with Christ is out of whack, then I'm going to have some problems in my life. I'm going to have some dents. I'm going to have some rough spots. I'm going to have some rust going on in my life because I'm going to need some restoration in my life. And guys, until you come to the point that you realize that, hey, I got some holes. I got some rust. I got some things in my life that needs the, uh, needs the restoration of Jesus Christ. You're going to have some problems in your life. But see, you've got to be willing to come to Christ and recognize that I need restoration in my relationship with Jesus Christ. See, a knowledge that you've drifted away from the Lord. You let your relationship stay out in the cold, and you've gotten cold, and, and you've drifted. See, people have gotten cold and rusty in their relationship with God. See, they haven't given up on their faith. They just drifted. They just drifted. See, at one time, uh, church attendance was a priority in the family's life. Now it's an option. If, you know, if, we, if there's anything else to do, you know, we'll do that instead of go to church. You know, um, Worship was about the heart. Now it's about a style of music. And if you don't do the right style of music, I'm not coming to your church. Prayer was about going after God because you were hungry for God. You were passionate for God. Now it's about just getting your needs met. And if you don't get your needs met or if you don't have no needs, you don't got no need to go to God even pray. People won't even go to pray anymore. See, we've just drifted. We've gotten, gotten cold, and the Bible calls it lukewarmness. Revelations, he says right here, Jesus says, I know your works, that you're neither hot or cold. And I'd rather you be cold or hot because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold. He goes, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. See, what's happened to the church? What's happened to our personal relationship with the Lord? See, we've drifted away from having a hunger and passion for the Lord. See, we've become, we've become influenced by the world. We've become a complacent, spiritually complacent in our life, guys. And we've gotten idols in our life that take first place over our relationship with Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says here in Romans 1.25 that they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the created things rather than the creator who's forever praised. See, we've got our priorities messed up, guys. See, if you listen to a person long enough that tells you it's okay to miss church and stay from church... Sooner or later, you're going to start staying home. You're going to start missing church. The world will tell you, it's okay. You don't have to go to church. Just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. Matter of fact, it's okay. You can just stay home and, and record TV church. You can have TV church. And, and that's great because you can actually sleep in. And then you can get up and watch it when you feel like it. But see, guys, where's the discipline in that? Where's the stretching of your life of pulling you out of your comfort zone? Where, where's the commitment to a, a, a church body? Where's the faithfulness? Where's the acts of service in that? See, if you listen to the world and that says everything goes, then you'll, you'll drift away from sound doctrine. See, the religious world will tell you, it's okay. God understands. God understands why you can't pay your tithes. God understands why you can't be faithful. God understands why you can't serve. He understands these things. See, the lukewarm religious world will tell you God's love. And it's okay to live a gay lifestyle. It's okay to social drink as long as you're witnessing to people. It's okay. It's okay to look like you just got out of bed and hadn't showered in, in six weeks and come and hop up on the, on the stage and want to lead God's people into worship. See, because there's churches like that. They brought God down and made God so common. He's like a $1 bill. 
There's no reverence for God no more in their lives. And see, I serve a God as holy, and he's still got a standard for his people, and it's called holiness, praise God. And God wants you to be holy. He says, be holy, for I'm holy, guys. He wants us to come up and not drift from the world, or drift with the world, I should say. He's, he wants you to be holy, guys. See, I realize my righteousness is filthy rags, but we're made righteous through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said he wouldn't leave us comfortless. He'd leave, he would send us another. He'd send us a comforter. And he sent us the Holy Spirit who will conform and transform you to the image of Christ. So if you let the Holy Spirit begin to lead and guide and direct your life, guys, you won't drift away from sound doctrine. You won't have loose living in your life. But you will be faithful and you will trust God because the Holy Spirit will conform you to the image of Christ. See, he won't let you be complacent in your spiritual walk. He won't let you become lazy. He won't let you be lukewarm if you'll let the Holy Spirit lead and guide and direct your life. See, church, God's calling us out. He says here in Joel 2, 12, even now declares the Lord, return to me, he says, with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, rend your heart and not your garments. See, guys, you have to return to the Lord, get to that place where you're passionate for him again in your walk, that you're hungry for him, that you're thirsting for him, that you desire more of him and less of you. That your Lord, Father, come and do a restoration in my life. Make me hungry again for you. Take the things of this world out of my life that's pulling me away from a relationship with you. Lord, help me to hunger and thirst for more of you, to be passionate for you, Lord, to desire more of you, desire to be faithful, Lord, and seek you, Lord. Get the things and the people and the places out of my life that pull my relationship away from you. Help me, Lord. See that word, rin. That word rin, where it says rin your heart, not your garment, it means to, to, to vigorously tear, to, to rip away. Your outer garments, it was a show of emotion. It was a Jewish custom. Either through anger or from, from remorse, they would, they would rip their clothes. It was an outward sign of what was going on on the inside. And so the priests, they, they ripped their clothes when Jesus said that, uh, you'll see me, I'll be sitting at the right hand of the Father. And they're like, ah, blasphemy. They just ripped their clothes. You know, we, don't have no, we don't have to listen to him no more. He's already condemned himself. And then David and his mighty men, they ripped their clothes when they heard that King Saul and Jonathan were, were killed in battle. See, it was a sign. But sometimes, guys, that sign, if it's not genuine and from the heart, it can become a show. Like the person that goes to God and asks for forgiveness, but then keeps going back and sinning and sinning over and over again. God's saying, I don't want to see an outward ripping of your clothes. What I want to see is a heart that's genuine and sincere and that's, that's desiring forgiveness and it's pure and, and, and wanting forgiveness that wants to come back to me and have a restoration done in your life and your relationship. Render your heart and not your garment. Stop drifting from the Lord and your relationship and return back to the Lord. Things that are in need of restoration, guys, number two, is there needs to be a restoration of relationships. A restoration of the relationships between the brothers and sisters in Christ. See, one of the things, you know, uh, we're trying to do here in the church is, is com uh, promote fellowship. That's why we have our small groups. That's why we have our new hiking group that's been, you know, that's taken off and going. And we're hopefully going to have a, a co-ed softball team here pretty quick, you know. And we're doing our fellowships. Is, yeah, yeah. It's just because we're trying to promote fellowship. Because we're stronger together, guys, than we are divided. And God never intended for you to just come to church and live a solo life. He wants you to be plugged in around brothers and sisters in Christ. Praise the Lord. See, one of the greatest and most successful military tactics of the enemy is to divide and conquer. 
And you might say, why? It's because we're weaker. See, we're stronger when we're together. An, enemy that, uh, an army that fights together is strong. But see, if the enemy can divide us, guys, we're weak. We're stronger when we're together. And why? It's because uh, there's strength in numbers. Ecclesiastics 4 and 12 says this, as a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. A triple uh, braided cord is not easily broken. So see, guys, when I'm fighting a battle by myself, I can be easily overwhelmed. But when I have my brothers and sisters in Christ, I got someone I can lean my back up against. I got someone on my right and my left. I got someone to surround me to help me from being beaten, taken over by the enemy. There's strength in numbers, praise the Lord. And number two is because we have more weapons and ammunition. First Corinthians tells us that the spiritual gifts are given to each of us to help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit is given to give a, a message of special knowledge. See, I might have the gift of faith. Shannon might have discernment. A sister over here might have the words of wisdom. See, together, I have a gun, but together, man, we got a bazooka. We got machine guns. Together, we're stronger in Christ as our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we have all the different weapons of warfare. We're spiritually, ha- we have more power together, praise God. And number three, guys, is because we're motivated to help each other grow. Paul says here in, a, in a 2 Timothy 1.6, is therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is within you. I've been laying on my hands. So see, Paul recognized the gift in Timothy. And so he wanted to encourage him to stir up that gift. And see, that's what we do as a body of Christ. We see someone that, that's really good with people. Hey, you need to be working with people. You know, you got this gift. And we're going to encourage each other to grow. You're, you're a good singer. Maybe you not so much. But hey, maybe you're a good guitar player or something other. So we encourage people, you know, to use their gifts and grow in the body of Christ. And see, we're going to help our fellow brothers and sisters, guys. If we see you out there beat up and tore up, we're not going to leave you behind. We're going to come around you and pray for you and encourage you. That's the the beauty and the strength about belonging to a body and a group of people in fellowship in Christ is there's strength in numbers. The problem with a lot of churches and a lot of church people is, guys, when they in churches, they don't realize they're in a battle. And so they begin to drift away from the front line and get a comfortable seat. You see, there's nothing worse than seeing a soldier or a person killed by friendly fire. You see, there's a lot of people that don't even realize they're in a battle. They don't recognize the real enemy. And when they don't recognize the real enemy, they start taking shots at their brothers and sisters in Christ. Did you see what she was wearing today? Did you see what she was wearing? Yeah. That brother, you see all the tattoos he had around his neck? He probably belongs to a gang. You better keep your kids away from him. Those two brothers came from Celebrate Recovery. That means they probably got a, an addiction issue. They shouldn't be in the leadership of the church. So we start taking shots at our brothers and sisters in Christ. The enemy is not set next to you this morning. So don't be looking at your husband or your wife. They're not your enemy. Our brothers and our sisters, guys, they're not our enemies, guys. They're not our enemies. You have to recognize the enemy. The Bible says here in Ephesians 6 and 12, it says, we fight not against flesh and blood, enemies, but we fight against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places, guys. So see, you have to recognize the real enemy. See, we're stronger together as brothers and sisters in Christ than we are separated. We need our brothers and sisters, praise the Lord. See, this church is better, not because of me, but because of you. See, when you step up and begin to start to use your gifts and your talents and we begin to grow, you make the church better, praise God. 
See, when you come in from Celebrate Recovery and you start sharing your testimony, how God took you from the streets and brought you into a house and gave you a family and brought restoration to your house, got you off of drugs, you make the church better. You make the church better. See, when you go over and you serve in the nursery so some mom and dad can be in here today and get some word in their life, you make the church better. When you're serving over in the iKids so they can come over and get a break and get refilled, you're making the church better. When you're on the worship team, when you're in the media, if you're teaching a class or a Bible study or small group, you make the church better. You make me better as a pastor, guys. When you step up and you start using your gifts and talents and making yourself available to God to use you and grow the church and make us stronger, you make the church better. We're stronger together, guys, than we are separated, praise the Lord. And just for your information, our two newest ministers in the church come from Celebrate Recovery. Amen. Amen. So before you start taking shots at people because of their background, you need to know their story. See, see, I'm thankful it didn't take me 35 years out in the streets to realize I needed Jesus before I came to the Lord. See, it's not how you come to the Lord, guys. It's, it's, it's just you come to the Lord. You get to the Lord. But what we need to do is when we see a brother or sister that, that comes from a different background than us make their way to an altar of prayer and start asking Christ in their life, we need to stand up and say, praise God for the grace of God. God got another one. Praise the Lord. Instead of taking shots at our brothers and sisters. See, guys, if Satan can uh, divide us, he can conquer us. Why? It's because there's less numbers to fight against. There are less people to fight against. And number two is because it opens up holes in our armor. See, when, we, when, we, when we're void of relationships, there's no one to watch my back when I'm fighting. I'm exposed on the backside. So the enemy can come in and he can, he can tear us up when, when we don't have a fellowship with one another. See? And the third, guys, is there's going to be no one to help motivate you to keep fighting the good fight of faith. When you're separated from relationships, so you're sitting on the row there, and the enemy comes and starts talking to you. See, your brothers and sisters don't care about you. You might as well go back to that old relationship. He's not good for you, but at least he'll be there for you. Might as well go ahead and start using again. See, you start listening to the enemy because there's no fellowship. There's no people to come around you and encourage you. But see, when you're plugged into a body, a group, a fellowship, you got some brothers and sisters that can come around you and tell, tell that devil to shut up. He's a liar, and he's a father of lies. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. See, we're stronger together, guys, than we are separated. And the greatest downfall of being divided, guys, again, is because we start shooting at each other instead of the real enemy. It becomes a spiritual shootout. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 says this. It says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be in one mind, united in thought and purpose. We're to have our mind and our, our thought and, and purpose, guys, is to reach the lost, not fight against each other. And if you're here today, guys, and you, you're hanging out with people that want to talk bad about the church, talk smack about the ministry, about other people, guys, you need to, you need to break ties and cut your hands with that stuff because those people aren't going to do you any good. They're going to pull you down because Christ is about lifting people up, not pushing people down. Praise the Lord. And people like that's got an agenda. You've got to watch out for it. Romans 16 and 17 says this. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and are put obstacles in your way contrary to the teachings you've learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving Christ but their own appetites. In other words, their own agendas, guys. See, there needs to be a restoration in our relationships in the church, guys. 
John 4 and 20 says this. It says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God who we can't see? And so you might be here today, and you might have some broken relationships in your lives, maybe in your family or in your marriage, guys, but you've got you to turn it over to the Lord. Give it to God. God's a God of restoration and reconciliation. He can fix the situation no matter what that person's done or what's happened to you, praise the Lord. See, if Jesus can look down from the cross for those that's crucified and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, we should be able to forgive people here in the comfort of the church. We should be able to forgive people because of what Christ did for us. He gave us forgiveness, praise the Lord. And you might say, Pastor, you don't know what's happened to me in my life. You don't know what's been done to me. And you know I don't. But I know forgiveness is, is, is more, it's not more, it's not about them as much as it is about you. See, you have to learn to forgive, guys, and forget because God wants to bless you. There's a healing that comes from learning to forgive and let go. Amen. See, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 15, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. You have to learn to forgive. See, forgiveness is more about your walk in God than it is someone else's. Because God wants to bless you, and he can't bless you if you have unforgiveness in your life because you tie his hands. You've got to forgive if you want to grow in the purpose of God. It's not an option, guys. It's not an option. So what are the steps to forgiving someone that's hurt you? Well, one is you have to change your heart, not just your mind. See, there's a lot of people that forgive people with their lips. It's forgiving them with their, their mind. You know, they say, I, I forgive you, but then they get around someone that triggers uh, that emotion again, and that old motion from being hurt, and, and uh, what's happened to them comes back up again. It's because they forgive them with their lips and, and their head and not from their heart. See, you've got to forgive from the heart. And two, guys, you've got to let go of the past. See, you've got you to forgive and you've got to let go of the past. See, there's Christians today, guys, that love God, but they are bound. They are bound by things that's happened in their past because they have unforgiveness in their life. And to be able to move on, you've got to have forgiveness, guys. They're sitting there and they're, they're walking around carrying the old carcasses of, of bad things that's happened to them, of sexual abuse, of physical abuse, of verbal abuse, of, of things they've done, and they can't get free from it because they're carrying it around. But you, if you want to experience true freedom and forgiveness in Christ, you've got to take it to the cross and you've got to bury it there and you have to leave it there. To experience that forgiveness and freedom in your life. The Lord wants you to forgive, guys. And see, you have to forgive people even if they don't forgive you. Even if they don't forgive you. And see, there's been some things done to people that they can only be forgiven through the love of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. Galatians says here, um, Paul says, uh, he goes in 220, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ who lives within me. And Jesus said, what did he say on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Forgive them. And see, church, when you get out of the way and you let Christ come into your life, you can love and you can forgive anyone and anything. See, because it's not you. It's Christ living in you. It's Christ. See, I've been crucified with Christ. So now it's Christ living in me. And the Bible says I can do all things through Christ. I can forgive that person that hurt me. I, forgive, I can forgive that person that's done me wrong. I can show compassion. I can show mercy on that person because it's Christ in me. It's Christ living through me. See, there's some things I can't forgive, but Christ through me, I can forgive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Christ can forgive. There needs to be some things of restoration done. Number three is there needs to be a restoration of the church, guys. 
restoration of the church. See, a lot of times we come to church and people go to church and uh, they focus on themselves instead of the lost, instead of, you know, reaching out. The mindset is coming to church is, I, I want to get what I can get for me instead of what God can take and, and use in my life, the gifts and talents he's placed in my life to reach out to touch other people. See, churches want to grow and they want to reach out to people, but a lot of times they only want to reach out to certain types of people. You know, good families, respectable people. You know, people with deep pockets so they can fund the ministry. You know, and that's probably good as long as you, you're reaching out to other people too. But see, everything we do, if it's just focused inward, guys, we're in trouble. We have to focus outward. We got to focus out and try to reach the lost. That's why we have our um, back-to-school bash, you know, uh, and our iKids and trying to do backpacks for kids. That's why we have our Harvest Hangout. Uh, it's free to the community. That's why we have our food closet. That's why we have our, uh, our clothes closet. That's why we try to go out and feed the, the homeless one time a month. And, and we have our free ladies conference. We're trying to do things to reach outside the church and not be inward. See, because God wants his church, guys, to reach out and not be inward and not become a clique. See, Psalms 96 and 3 says, Declares his glory, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. See, we're to declare, we're to get out, not just stay inside and focus inside, guys, but get out. And see, that makes some people uncomfortable because some people don't want to go where there's hurting people and where there's messed up people. But I got good news for you guys. The church of Jesus Christ is a hospital. It's for the hurting. It's for those that are messed up. It's for those that are in need, praise God. And if if you're perfect, then take your perfect hand and reach it out to someone that's not and give them a hand up so they can meet Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. See, there was this, this church that got a new pastor. And he calls the deacon on the phone. He says, I'll be there Sunday. I'll be there in the audience. When it's my time to come up, just call me up and, and uh, introduce me, and I'll, and I'll come up and, and greet the crowd. So he's, all right, Pastor, I look forward to meeting you. I'll see you Sunday. So Sunday comes around. People are coming in, kind of gathering like we do in the morning. And so there's this homeless man in the back. He's kind of messed up, got pretty bad clothes on, tore up shoes, got a, you know, long hair. And so he's kind of walking around kind of leaning over towards people, you know, kind of listening to their conversations. People's looking at him. So he keeps walking around. He, he comes over by some more people, kind of, kind of leans into them, see what they're talking about. And people's like, hey, man, who, who's this dude, you know? And so he's, he keeps walking around the church. Before church starts, he comes over some more people. They're kind of looking at him. It's like, excuse me, you know? And so church starts. They're playing the first song, and, and uh, he's in the back. And so finally he walks down to the front, and he takes a, a front seat. So they go through the worship service, and the, the uh, deacon gets up to, to call the uh, pastor up. And he's all, well, the, we got a new pastor today, so we're going to call him up. And so uh, everybody's kind of looking around for someone to stand up. It looks nice. It's dressed nice, and no one stands up. So finally, the homeless man gets up, and he walks up to the front, pulls off his wig. The guy's kind of looking at him. He takes the mic. He says, I want to thank you for that warm welcome this morning. He <laughs> says, so I came in because I wanted to see your heart. I want to see what you're about. And he goes, I found out. He goes, no one said hello. No one shook my hand. No one made me feel welcome. And he goes, we're not going to have church tonight. We're going to dismiss church tonight because I want you to go home and I want you to think about what Christ did on the cross. He died for the lost and the unlovable. And church, um, see, they were focused inward. They didn't have a heart focused outward. I was, um, I was in bed the other night and I couldn't sleep, and so I was laying there, and I had this uh, vision 
this dream, maybe one and the same. And there was this ocean liner, and it was going across in front of me, and there was people along the rail. And some were standing there just looking across the rail. Some were sitting down, talking to someone across, sitting at them in a seat. Uh, Some were just kind of standing up, leaning over. But there was people in the water, and they were waving their hands because they were drowning. But no one was throwing a lifeline. No one was throwing a life vest. No one was concerned for the people in the water drowning and the ships going by in the night. And I'm like, Lord, is that our church? Is that us? You might say, no, that's not us, Pastor. Well, really, then why, why, why is the last year and a half that it's the same five to ten people that show up in our homeless ministry on Saturday to help us stuff a, a hot dog and a, and a, and a, and a granola bar and, and some fruit in a bag that we can take out to people that are lost, that are hurting on the street, that need a lifeline, that need a life preserver? that are hungry, that we're not out there to homeless beat or homeless bash people, but we want to say, hey, we got, we got some fresh clothes for you. We got some coffee for you. How come it's the only same five to ten people that can give two hours one time a month to go out and be a life preserver to someone that needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ? Are we the ship? Are we that ship, guys? Our food giveaway, it's the same five or ten people that come out once a month to, to give food away. And I've asked the church repeatedly, could you come out and sign a paper? It'll take 20 minutes out of your schedule one time a month to get food, whether you like it or you don't like it. But it it opens it up for us to be able to have more food to give out, to reach out, to touch people. And and out of our attendance last month, our average was 130. And we still have the same five or ten people that show up. And no one hardly from our church comes out and signs that piece of paper. Are we the ship? that's going by, and people are in the water. Throw me a lifeline. I'm drowning. I'm drowning. See, church, I'm not here trying to beat anybody up this morning, but we can't be the church that sails by in the night when there's people that's drowning and dying, and they need Jesus Christ. We're the lifeline. We're the life preserver. Where's your heart at this morning? Where's your heart at this morning? See, God wants to use you. He wants to use me to touch people's lives. He wants us to be that light preserver. See, I saw those people on that ship, and they weren't concerned with the people in the water. They were just concerned with themselves and what they were doing, what they had going on. And the people were drowning. Are you going to let God use you to be a light preserver, to reach out to people that are in need? See, there needs to be a restoration of the church, the mission of the church, where we're we're reaching out to our community more and more and more because people are dying and going to hell every day while we're having church on Sunday. See, Jesus says here in Mark 2 and 17, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He says, I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. See, church, if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're already in the boat. You're already on the ship, but there's people still drowning and dying that that need Jesus Christ, and they need me and you to reach out and be the life preserver and not be so wrapped up in our life that we can't give any time to God to tow out and try to touch someone and minister minister to someone and say, Christ is coming back soon. Where's your soul at? Where's your life at? Is your house in order? Praise the Lord. God wants to use us. 
And number four, there needs to be the restoration of the call of God. The worship team wants to come on back up this morning. See, there was this man, he took a, these boys out to a cemetery, and he began to read some of the stones, and he began to tell them that the cemetery is one of the richest places in the world. And they're all, How, how's this? What do you mean? He goes, because it's full of unfulfilled dreams and uh, plans and gifts and talents. It's full of it. It's rich. And see, church, there needs to be a restoration of the people of God to the call and the gifts of God. There needs to be a, a, a restoration there. God has gifts and talents in each and every one of us to reach out and touch people's lives, and he wants you. And see, I have a question for you today. The gifts and talents that God's placed in your life, are you going to take them to the grave, or are you going to use them? Because God wants to use you to touch people. The Bible says the gift and call of God is without repentance. It's without repentance. So he's wanting you to come to him, and he's wanting to restore. He's wanting to, to, to restore the gifts and talents that he's put in your life. Because there's a lot of you here today that has gifts and talents and the call of God on your life, and you've left it out in the rain. You left it out in the cold. You kind of walked away from it. It's been beat up. But God's saying, bring it back to me, and I'll do a restoration. It might be beat up. It might be messed up, but I can make it new again. If you'll just come to me, I'll pull you out of the junkyard. I'll pull you out of the old driveway, and I'll do a full restoration in your life from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet if you'll just come to me and lay those gifts and talents and that call of God that I placed in your life that you've you walked away from that you may be neglected if you'll bring it back to me I'll restore it and I'll make it even better than it was in the beginning praise the Lord because he wants to do a work in your lives and he wants to use you guys to be a life preserver to this city and to this community I'm going to have the prayer team come up this morning and maybe you're here today, guys, and maybe your relationship with Christ, you have drifted away. You, you have left it out in the cold. It has been beat up. It does have some holes in it. God's saying, if you'll just come to me, if you'll come to my body shop, I'll restore you. I'll put you back in order. And maybe you're here today, guys, and you've got some unforgiveness in your hearts, in your life, and some relationships. God's saying, if you'll come to me, I'll help you forgive. And maybe you've just been focused inward. Everything's been about you. You've had no time for God. If you'll come to God, God wants to use you guys. He wants to take the focus off of you and put it on the lost. Pray for that heart of God. And maybe you're here today and you have those gifts and talents in your life. Maybe you used them at one time in your life. Maybe you've walked away. But God's saying, if you'll come back to me, I'll restore those gifts. I'll restore those talents. I'll restore that call, and I'll put you back into my service, and I'll make you where you can reach people, and it'll be greater than it was in the beginning. And if you're here today, guys, and you just have, need prayer in your life or in your body, your health, come on up. Let us pray with you, because this is what the body of Christ is for. We're together around one another, love one another, encourage one another. We're here for you this morning. So if that's you, come on up. We're not going to take too long. Praise the Lord. Praise your name, Lord. Thank you, Lord.